You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums. You must hear before you die. Gene Clark, no other. In the room I have Solange. Hello. Ben. Hey. And John. Hi. No Other is the fourth solo studio album by the American singer-songwriter Gene Clark, released in September 1974. Producer was Thomas Jefferson K. And the genre is folk rock, country rock, soul, R&B, and gospel. And I'm going to read from the book, Burhan Wazir. Immediately and unfairly forgotten on his release in 1974, Clark's No Other would spend the next 30-odd years reviled as one of the most colossal, expensive, and equally wasteful records of all time. That reputation, however, as proven by its first ever reprinting recently, is a monumental misjudgment. In many respects, No Other was and remains a stunning addition to the canon of West Coast 70s rock. For no other, Clark would assemble a hothouse of some of the world's leading session musicians. Butch Trucks, Chris Hillman, Danny Korchmar, and Timothy B. Schmidt. Their combined talents, buoyed by Clark's gift for wistful narratives, set the album up as a sprawling and ambitious venture that unites country, rock, jazz, blues, and psychedelia. This hybrid, which his label would later refuse to release, has never sounded so enchanting. The album opener's Life's Greatest Fool alone debunks the record's much misunderstood reputation. Also of note is the title track, which starts as a straightforward post-mortem of the West Coast sound, but quickly mutates into something far more adventurous, featuring a gospel choir and a strange voodoo-influenced guitar by Clark himself. Strength of Strings, with its slide guitar, is as haunting as anything ever produced by Clark's former group, The Birds. Within the context of the L.A. post-Birds music scene, no other is an influential release. Listeners will recognize a musical deafness that emerged again in the infinitely more successful Fleetwood Mac. All right, what do we think of Gene Clark with no other? I love this album. I'd never heard this before. I hadn't either. I'd never heard this before, and I listened to it once... And then I, I I read on the Wikipedia page that it was initially largely ignored and lambasted by critics, and I don't get why. I don't either because th- his previous album I I kind of White Light. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. I don't think I was there for that podcast day, no. but I, I enjoyed that one. I thought it was okay. I just thought it was a little followed Dylan a little too closely, and it was a little like. <laughs> Birds. Yeah, I get that, but you know, you're you're solo, you're I, I've heard his bird songs and they're pretty yeah. good. I was like yeah. I was just a little I think disappointed when I heard that and then when I heard this album I was like, 
what is going on here? This feels like what the birds actually wanted to do mm. yeah. in, their, in the birds' territory. They wanted to make this music that was all things. It was soul. It was blues. It was rock. It was gospel. Cosmic. Was cosmic yeah. music. Cosmic American music is what they said. And I was blown away with how this uh, came to be. And I was just a little... The only thing about this album that kind of struck me is... It's a little not quite developed. It's like the a great idea, and he's got some very good players, but at the same time, I feel like it doesn't reach... It's this idea, but doesn't quite reach the pinnacle. It, it and a lot of, of it, I think, is his, his vocal delivery and just kind of it feels a little stilted or mm. something. If he would have gotten like amazing vocalists or something else... He would have been in the background. Maybe that would have solidified it for me. It kind of loses steam. I feel like like it, it's a really it's a really great album. Like I really liked it a lot. Um, but it really loses steam. Like really? for me, which one? Like where on the album? I think in like the last like quarter of it. You know, it kind of it kind of gets like a little down and okay. like melancholy. Like I mean. I think Lady of the North was really cool. I think it has good guitar work, and I loved the piano on it. Um, and it's still rocking, but I, he feel like, I feel like he gets a little too melancholic for his own good in some at some points. But I mean, I really I really liked it. It's it's good music to uh, as we say like let go to you know uh, especially. Are you talking about dying? Yeah, good dying music. Um, but like I I really enjoyed it. Like I mean, because I definitely hear what you're saying where it's like this is what the birds should have sounded like because. To me, it's like this. This is like wow. You're just doing the birds too, you know. And uh, especially with like life's greatest fool, Silver Raven, no other. Uh, which I love no other because it reminds me of a white dude, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, hmm. it's very like no other is a thick joint, spacey future. Loved it. I loved yeah. it. And then I that like cool. incessant drum that comes in at the end. Yeah, like, those thick synths. Yeah. And apparently, whether or not this is an influence on how no other ended up sounding. Sly Stone was present at the sessions. Oh, yeah, cool. he, he he commented that Stevie Wonder and Sly Stone were definitely influences mm. for this. And uh, Rolling Stone's it. album Goat's Head Soup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was interesting. He 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 specifically cited inter- Stevie Wonder's Inner Visions yep. and Rolling Stone's yes. Goat Head Soup. Uh, Inner Visions, you know, like optimistic, reaching upwards towards like a higher power, and Goat's Head Soup, kind of like, well, let's get low. You know, let let let's let's dig through these dregs and see what's there, and uh, just kind of like being inspired by those two polarities and having a fusion of them is kind of how he explains how he got to the album No Other, and and maybe that's where 1974 critics couldn't grasp it. It's it's neither up at the top nor is it down in the bottom. It's trying to find a way to work with mm-hmm. both. And it's this mixture of all these things that, yeah. that the birds wanted, like you said. And it's hearing it now, you're like, okay, because I've heard all these sounds before and how they could go together, like hearing a gospel synth country rock <laughs> yeah. uh, disco song or whatever. I mean, it's not exactly on the edge of disco, but it's not not far, you know? Yeah. like That's the direction he was headed. Yeah. Geffen like, denied his demos for a follow-up. Yeah. They were like more, this, but with more disco. More dancing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I would say that on this album, 
no other and maybe some misunderstanding are the ones that blend the most mm-hmm. genres. Yeah. And those yeah. are the songs that I kind of like the I best. I love oh, yeah. yeah so. those, those were the two that I, I that were standouts See, for me. The standouts for me were no other, obviously, because I love this song. It's Stevie Wonder, but like a white guy, you know. No, I mean, I loved it. But the other one that stood out to me was Strength of Strings. And um, I mean, I brought this up in the chat yeah. a, a couple times, but like I was listening to it on the bus yesterday. I know this song, and then I hear the the like vocalizing like chorus, and I'm like, oh my god, this is one of this mortal coil's like cover songs. Because <laughs> I had heard and I had heard it, and uh, I thought for the longest time I made this joke: this mortal coil is just the world's greatest Tim Buckley um, cover, <laughs> Tim Buckley big star cover band. <laughs> nice. Um, and then I had to think long and hard: which version do I like better? Um, and I don't, I don't know. I you think, don't know. Okay. Well, I that's thi- great. I though. think I lean more towards the like filigree and shadow like cover version. To was be it, honest. W- correct me if I'm wrong. Was was Mortal Coil? Were they a four AD band? Yes, they were actually the. I think four AD is like one of their first bands. Maybe I don't. I they, I know that like that it sounds was, right. It was like one of their first bands, and they were like, hey. Everybody who's going to be on this record label should, because it's like, it's Dead Can Dance, it's Cocteau mm-hmm. Twins, it's, Ma- I think M- Mazzy's star might have been, a- no, Cindy, Cindy Talk, Cindy, not, the Pixies were involved way later, the Pixies and like Kim Gordon were involved in like, in Blood, which is like the 1990 album, this, for everybody to know, this Mortal Coil is like one of my favorite bands, because uh, <laughs> it's me, but uh, yeah, like it's starting out, it was like Cindy Talk, um, Liz Frazier, um, it was Dead Can Dance, and, and people like that that were getting involved with it. And then as it moved on, and 480 signed more people, it ended up becoming people like Kim Gordon were involved. They should have um, re-released this album, though. They did, in 2019. Yeah. 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 That, it was 480? It was 480. Oh, my God. Wait, and re-released that's, no that's other? That's what I missed that. There were two different releases. One is the, in 2000 or so. There, in, in, um, in 2019, okay. well, there was in, just in, another release. In 2003, there was a very standard, n- no extra features, no extra packaging, just like reissue of the album. And that was the first time that it actually got good critical reviews, was like the 2003 reissue. But in 2019, 4AD did a comprehensive all formats reissue. Oh, 5.1 surround mix of that. Yeah, wow. And, and, like, you, you could yeah. get on CD, you could get on vinyl, you could get it on. Uh, it, it came with like uh, you could order it as a box set where it came with all this bonus stuff, and that's why I was curious about this Mortal Coil because it seems like <clears throat> even though uh, even though he's no longer involved with the label. Uh, that was uh, Ivo or Evo. Evo, Watts, it's Evo. Evo Watts Russell, maybe single-handedly responsible for a whole new generation being turned on to this forgotten album. Yeah, by like encouraging bands on his label to cover it, making it such a staple of early 4AD that even after he parts ways with the the label, it's still that label that is the one that reissues it. Yeah.
this, this album just threw me for a loop. I was not expecting this from Gene Clark, I guess. After the previous White Light album, I just expected, oh, he'll do some more Dylan-esque stuff. He'll yeah. he'll bring in some more players, and maybe we'll, we'll get a little more of that Birds material. But this one just, it came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I feel like... I understand why it was dropped, but at the same time, I'm also like, why was this dropped? <laughs> yeah. At the time, it was very expensive. That is true. And production it, costs so, ran up the so production costs. And, and yeah. also, it was a bit of a misunderstanding between what Geffen wanted and what like Gene Clark and uh, Thomas Jefferson K thought Geffen would want. Is a uh, Gene Clark and Thomas Jefferson K, they saw David Geffen as someone who appreciated artistry. So they were crying they were trying to do like a like a Brian Wilson, Phil Spector approach to like the like the, the California country rock scene. And you know, they and they spent the money to 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 get that. And they really felt that this if anyone would appreciate it, David Geffen would appreciate it. David Geffen, on the other hand, he looks at the price tag, which was in 1974, $100,000, which is over $500,000 now. And it's only eight songs, and he doesn't really see where his money went. And of those eight songs, none of the songs hit his ears like, oh, this is going to be a standout single. So he's fucking pissed. You know, that like, I, I spent all this money and, and this thing's not going to make me that much money. Meanwhile, Gene Clark is crushed because he poured everything into it. He's like, finally, like, this label head is going to appreciate me for my vision. And he poured in so much time and heart and craftsmanship into this album. And then... By 1976, it was deleted from uh, Asylum Records catalog, and Gene Clark never recovered. Yeah. He was so crushed. He never recovered. He died in 1990. The very first reissue came out in 1989. So in his lifetime, by the time it was finally even available for people to buy, it had not yet gotten the warm reception that it now gets. Yeah. He died thinking people hate it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, we're listening to uh, Strength of Strings. Does anybody hear a little Neil Young going on? Absolutely. With the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Buffalo Springfield, mm-hmm. I should probably say, because yeah. they had a lot of string arrangements and stuff. But Buffalo String Arrangements? Yeah, I got this like real interesting like Neil Young vibe. And I know we have just talked about him recently, but at the same time, I was like, I would have gotten that that feeling well but there's that like high thinness yeah that you'd be like oh that should be neil young's voice but instead it's the coast sort of yeah yeah Yeah. and i i I think i brought this up when we talked about neil young it's like the two birds adjacent artists you know and you can definitely like and it was so funny how like this happened on the uh batch of listening we did this week how these two people ended up because i feel like it actually helps run the gamut of like the birds adjacent artists like I, i talked about with um with uh, Neil Young, like, it's that that Grateful Dead adjacent people, you know, that kind of style. It's like you have, with both Neil Young and Gene Clark, like, that that gamut of what you could have had between the birds. Yeah. Man, when it comes to the, how history 
looks back upon the original roster of the birds, not just the original roster, like the just 1960s roster of the birds. It seems like Gene Clark's almost a B-lister. You've got David Crosby, you've got Chris Hillman, you've got Roger McGinn, and like, oh yeah, and Gene Clark. Even though back in their early days, their their songs that weren't Dylan covers that we all enjoyed were normally the ones that Gene Clark wrote. Yeah, he left the band early because he because we decided he didn't like flying, or he just <laughs> didn't want to be in the band, or he didn't want to be in the Good band. Excuse, yeah. And we kind of made light of that, and you know, and the birds can, can, continued on without him and had some of their most success as individuals and as a band after they parted ways with Gene Clark. Looking back on all of this now, of all the songwriters that were involved in The Birds, I prefer Gene Clark. I was going to say, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if I can say it outright without like digging deep, but this might be like the best I feel about The Birds is this <laughs> album. I, I which, lo- is, which is really weird that it was... I enjoy David Crosby's If I Can Only Remember My Name. I, I think I was outnumbered on that one. I enjoy it. This is a this is better. Yeah. It's it's better songwriting, it's better execution, it's better production. It's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's for something that's derived from doing a lot of cocaine and hanging out with like Dennis Hopper and David Carradine, it's strangely not as masturbatory as Crosby's stuff. Yeah. I don't think this is masturbatory at all. Right, it's just thought-provoking. Yeah, I mean, really that's the is. thing is you take these things that should be selfish, mm-hmm. and it's not. No. Uh, it, it, Gene Clark was coming off a, 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 a sober family man stint. Mm. Well, he so, went right into cocaine. Well, he, he, yeah, he was he was living, because he was off the map for a while, you know, during this whole Crosby, uh, Stills, and Nash scene. Yeah. Gene Clark, meanwhile, is up in Mendocino County with his family, and he's abstaining from from the wildlife because he's got kids. He's still writing songs, and so and then in the early mid seventies, there's a, a birds reunion, and Gene Clark comes down to be a part of it. And the songs that he performs are are featured on. I forget if it was a a, a film or an album, but there was a, a document of this of this reunion. And Gene Clark comes off of that reunion looking like the one to put your money on. Yeah. And it was because of that reunion that David Geffen invests some money in him. He's like, he, at this point, David Geffen's got this hot singer-songwriter label. All these singer-songwriters are wanting to be on Asylum. They can do what they want. They can make their kind of like experimental singer-songwriter 70s California country scene shit. And he reaches out to Gene Clark. And Gene Clark's like, finally, you know, like, this is my chance to do it. He relocates his family from Mendocino County back to L.A. and almost immediately gets back into kind of like the party scene, which doesn't hurt the record, but it does hurt his family mm-hmm. life. And then the record, for some cosmic reason, flops. Yeah. Yeah, his wife actually heads back to Mendocino. Yeah. And that's what uh, Lady of the North is about, his wife. Mm. Oh, he wrote that in the really? cocaine fury. Yeah. Wow, that explains a lot.
So you were saying Silver uh, Raven. Uh, no, Silver Raven, according to Gene Clark, <laughs> is about a true news article about a satellite that's beyond our solar system that's broadcasting a technological signal that's 100 years more advanced than our own. Hell yeah, Gene. I dig Go it, Gene. off. Yeah. Go <laughs> off, like, Gene. Okay, buddy. I thought Roger... I thought McGinn was the one about talking about space aliens on the birds. He was, but like... <laughs> yeah, it's not exclusive, know, I guess. Not exclusive. More than just him know about aliens. <laughs> True. I mean, you know, we True. all kind of know about yeah. aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a, a one other factor this album had working against it, which, again, it was just misunderstood at its time. Just the like the the nineteen twenties themed collage of the album art, I think looks awesome. Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, at the time, people didn't know what to do with it, much like the the material they found. But then on the back cover of it, it's just a picture of Gene Clark in drag with a perm. Love it. I love it. In nineteen seventy four, <laughs> it probably wasn't going to move that many country rock records. Certainly <laughs> <laughs> uh, wouldn't help. No. Yeah. Oh, positive for me. Uh, and I love the I love the album art. I'm glad somebody brought that up. I really like the album art. But yeah, positive for me. I really I really liked this album. Uh, I mean, even through the melancholy, like it's still I still really enjoyed, you know, what I heard from it. And um, just getting to hear Strength of Strings again, like for the first time was like pretty amazing because it, it really was like my jaw. Like there these teenage girls like staring at me on the bus because I was having this like weird religious experience. <laughs> like my jaw like dropped and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, but so, you know, I, yeah, I really liked it a lot. I, I loved no other the song. So, yeah, positive for me. Definitely. Like I said, that. The first time I, I listened to this album through once before reading about it at all. And after one listen, I didn't understand why it was ignored uh, slash lambasted by critics. I also thought that I also read about how when it came out again, pardon me, in the early 2000s, it was regarded a lost masterpiece. I wasn't ready to go that far either. I was in the middle. I was like, no, this is a very quality album for 1974. I don't know why people hated it when it came out, and I also don't know why people are calling it a masterpiece now. Uh, since then, I've listened to it probably, honestly, like five or six more times. And every time I listen to it, I pull more from it. it, it it's, it's a slow burn. Yeah. It's a slow burn in a different way than On a Beach is a slow burn. And I really appreciate this album for its craftsmanship for its blend of different styles for the execution uh gene clark doesn't have the 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 best voice and i don't fucking care i just don't fucking care uh he has a fine voice and everything else more than compensates for it i like neil young and neil young doesn't have a great voice yeah I'm gonna. Uh, this is a positive from me. Uh, I, I'm not yet ready to call it a lost masterpiece, like other people call it. But man, that's the side I'm erring towards. It's definitely like so much, so much heart went into this, and so much craftsmanship went in and went into this. But positive from me on this album. I, I'm definitely gonna sink this, seek this one out. It's just good, good, good craftsmanship, good songwriting, good, at, good everything. Yeah, I'm going to give it a, a positive. Um, again, there's so much going on on this album that it's kind of, it would be, it'd be a mistake to not listen to it just because it was, you know, put away for so long. 
the fact that it came out and got hyped up, I guess, I, it didn't get hyped up enough that I'd never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd never heard it before, and I enjoy it. I don't know if I would go out and buy a copy of it, um, but the the tracks where he's blending all of these different genres are are very unique. Yeah. Like, we haven't heard anything like that in that way before. Um, is it a successful blending of all those things? It's pretty good when he does it right. Um, there's nothing on here where he does it really, really wrong. Um, it's just, maybe it's not for me, you know, like to make it a hundred percent positive where I would go out and buy it, but it's definitely something that's worth listening to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty much what, what you guys are feeling. It's, it's an interesting album. Like when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, pretty cool album. Feel feels a lot like Neil Young, like has, a, I kind of dismissed it a little bit. Just kind of be Rococo Neil Young. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just kind of feeling like, yeah, you know what? This is feel like I've, I've heard this before. You know, we're, we've kind of been here before it's another birds album or whatever. And then I like listened to it a couple more times and I can't remember this fourth or fifth time I'm listening to it. And I was like, actually, you know what? This has a lot more going on for it. It definitely, that slow burn kind of hit me a, a little bit later and I think it is because, like, Silver Raven, uh, his, like, vocal inflections on, on that song, like, just really put me off. But then, like, when Strength the Strings comes on and, like, the complete, like, first half of the second side, I was like, I am really feeling this music. Like, I I see the vision. Also, I, I do feel like his inner sparsing of like the first song, life's great fool where he puts in that like country tinged. It feels like a harkens back to the sweetheart of the radio era birds. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cute. But at the same time, I feel like I've moved. I'm, I'm moving past that in, in anything else that he's giving me. That is like a blend of all these different characteristics. I'm way more interested in. Well, he like, wasn't even there at that part of the bird's career. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it does like feel yeah, like that, absolutely. that kind of music. And so I'm, it's interesting that he puts those different elements in there because I feel like the other, other, uh, songs are so strong for me personally. Um, but yeah, positive for me just because I, it, it started to grow on me. Like everything sort of like this layered effect and all these different, and I was, yeah, it got into that like cosmic, country uh american music that i wasn't like really prepared to hear like when i first started listening to it but um it's funny I'm, that's I'm, what I'm, they were going for the whole time I'm, and and finally i feel like they got it yeah, yeah well, i feel like this he is got it. it yeah <laughs> he, so, and like, really and cool. he wasn't even in the band at the time that that was what they said they wanted to do yeah when the like when the birds say they wanted to go for like cosmic Americana, that's Graham Parsons era birds. Gene Clark's been gone for a few years, yet here he is, a former member of the birds, not in the band when they wanted to do that, finally kind of achieving yeah. that sound that they were going for. Yeah. Interesting. Anything else? Mm. I remembered what I wanted to say. Uh, the song The Weather. Uh, is stand out for me on this album. I really love the six thick synthesizer in the in the Americana sound, uh, giving it that R and B groove. But the first like three times I listened to specifically the the hook of it, 
I could just hear Frank Zappa's Muffin Man. <laughs> Girl thought he was a man, but he was a muffin. Like whenever, whenever I hear Gene Clark trying to do no other, I'm just like, he like goes to like half of the hook, and I'm like, but he was a muffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Okay. You're not wrong. <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about Steely Dan, Pretzel Logic. All right, thanks, y'all.